I was born for his service He filled me with purpose Take your time while you worship him I'm unplugged from the matrix Believe without seeing I'm plugged into the matrix The Daily Perspective Welcome to another episode of The Daily Perspective I'm your host Mr. Daily And uh, this week we are going to be talking about something that I I guess I have experience with something that um, if you are a someone of my age, let's say someone in your 30s, 40s, you grew up doing during the 80s, 90s, and you would have and you're a Christian, you would have come across the purity movement. So that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Um, before we get into that. Um, want to give a shout out to everyone that's listening to us on YouTube or watching us on YouTube, should I say, or listening to us on Transistor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, wherever you may be listening. I just want to shout you out. I appreciate the support. I appreciate the love. Um, lots of things happening. Had an amazing recording of um, the... Imperfectly Human podcast with Dr. Terence Johnson yesterday. That was uh, amazing. Obviously, you guys will hear that next week, but tune in for um, the Christian Whilst Black series that we got going on at the moment. That is uh, some amazing stuff that I think you guys are going to really enjoy. Um, yeah, so, so we, we recorded a second episode in that series yesterday. That was really good. Um, let's just dive into this because I'm, I'm, I'm talking a bit too much about other stuff. But, you know, as you know, with a Daily Perspective Network, we've got some good stuff coming to you. We've got some good things planned. We've got a free kids later podcast with my wife. That's going to be coming soon. Um, but... I don't want to keep talking about that stuff. Let me let me get right into what, we, what, what we're here for. So, we are going to talk about the purity movement. Now, if you are, as I said, if you are someone that grew up in the 80s and 90s and you were in that Christian circle or you had Christian friends, you will know about the purity movement. Um, basically it was for, for those that don't know what it is it was a movement that started and it was about I guess it was it was primarily about abstinence it was about Christian youth keeping themselves pure for marriage um, you weren't supposed to the, the, it started off the premise of it really was it started off about um, abstaining from sex Point blank, period. That was all it was originally about. It was about abstaining from sex. Then it grew into, well, abstaining from dating. Um, abstaining, no, sorry, it grew to abstaining from any form of sexual contact. Then it went to abstaining from dating. Then they expanded it to abstaining from any impure thoughts. Um thoughts about kissing someone, thoughts about um, touching someone, or anything that you could kind of constitute as impure or sexual or lustful. That's what it expanded to. Now, if you were in church in, in these times and you were a young person, this whole thing about purity was kind of drummed into you. Now, people didn't come out and say, oh, purity this, purity that. But actually, actually, in some circles they did. In the US, you had things like purity balls and you had uh, people giving each other purity rings, which you would wear on your uh, wedding ring finger um, to show that you were saving yourself, so to speak. So you had all this kind of stuff going on. Um, you had people who were young people who were trying to you know, they thought that this was the thing to do. Now, personally, I'm not on the front. I was one of those young people. I, I don't know whether, if I'm being honest with myself, my whole journey with that purity thing 
didn't start because I joined a youth group that people started and people started to tell me you had to be pure, you had to abstain, you had to do this, X, Y, and Z. My thing with purity started when um, I was really young, to be honest. I grew up in the church. My my mum was uh, my mum and dad took us to church. That's it. There's, I've got nothing else to really say about that. We went to church. Sunday came, you took your ass to church. Um, so that's where it started for me. And as a result of being someone that grew up in a church, my mum my mum always drummed it into us. No sex before marriage. No sex before marriage. So I kind of grew up with this in my mind. Uh, okay, I'm supposed to wait. So that was kind of where it started for me. But as I got older, my choice to wait became less about my faith and more about my fear of having a child with someone that I couldn't see a future with or beat myself being with. That's me being honest. By the time I was 17, 18, it wasn't anything to do about purity movement, this purity movement, that, because by that time I was already struggling with pornography. So sexual thoughts and all of that sort of stuff were kind of, they would, you know, they would, they'd taken over. Weirdly enough, you know, the purity movement still had an impact there. And I'm going to come back to what I mean by that. But for me, it became more about, well, I'm not going to have sex with anyone because I don't want to have a child with someone that I don't, can't see myself with. And I had a girl, I had a girl that, um, that kind of, well, she wanted to smash. I wasn't interested in it. Um, I kept, you know, I would make excuses to leave her house and go home. And eventually she hooked up with this other guy. I found out some roundabout way. It was, yeah, it was messy as heck. But because I wasn't giving up the goods, she went somewhere else. And, you know, fair play to her. That, that was her choice. I'm not, I'm not mad at her. Well, I was mad at her at the time. I was mad as hell. But um, I kind of, you know, that, that was the deal. And the thing is, I was introduced to a lot of girls. Uh, my friends would introduce me to girls. Uh, girls, I'd, I'd be sort of, <laughs> I'm going to say, I'll be in an entanglement with some girls or some, some kind of um, uh, kiddie relationship. Um, but as soon as they started to talk about anything sexual kind of thing, I pulled away because I couldn't see myself engaging in that with them because they weren't someone that I could see myself having a future with. So that was my, that was what became my real reason for not really engaging in sex. Now, on the other side of it, um, in church, we were being taught about purity and about you shouldn't have lustful thoughts and you shouldn't, you shouldn't masturbate. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. And, and it was, it was nuts. Let now, I don't say nuts in the sense that these people were crazy. That's not what I mean. It was nuts in terms of the amount of stuff that you were being told that you can't do. Now, I'm going to put this out here as a disclaimer. The people that were doing this were not doing this. They were not doing this to hurt the children. They thought they were protecting the youth. They thought they were doing what was best for the youth. So you can't, and I personally am not mad at these people for what they were trying to do because they felt they were protecting us. They felt they were helping us. They thought they were helping us to become more godly. So out the gate, I'm putting that out there. Now, the reason I'm talking about this topic is because, so I, I know I'm jumping over, I'm jumping all over the place at the moment, but the reason I'm talking about this topic is because I came across an article that said the purity women, um, the purity movement damaged even evangelical women. Um, and 
So I decided I was gonna I was gonna read the articles on um, I think it's called conversation.com or something like that. I read the article, it was by a uh, professor of religious studies from North Florida University. Uh, she clearly knows what she's talking about. She's wrote, written a number of books in the area. But I had one um, I had one issue with what she what she'd written. She said that it had damaged um, damaged evangelical women. Now, I don't disagree with that. What I disagree with is the fact that she she looked at it from what I guess is what feels like a feminist perspective. I agree that young women were damaged, but as a product of the purity movement myself, I feel that young men were damaged by this. I think young men were let down by this purity movement as well. Reason I say that is this. If you are taught something that isn't, let me, I guess it's, it's cultural because that's, that's what it was. It was someone's viewpoint that became a Christian culture that then that they then tried to find things to support so to from the Bible to use to support their argument and then push outwards to make uh, the youth adopt. Um, it wasn't again. It wasn't done. It wasn't intentionally to harm the young people, but. What it created, whether you were uh, a young woman or a young man, it created the same guilt, the same shame, the same fear, um, the same trauma that young women had, young men had. Young men were forced into, so it talks about young women being um, forced into being submissive and what I mean by that. So there were, there were different, as I said, there were different extremes. Now the extreme abstinence arm of this purity movement believed that young girls shouldn't mix in, um, multi, um, in groups that had male boys and girls in it. They should just hang out with girls. Basically don't hang out with no dudes. That's what they were saying. The other part was if you're going to see a boy, then it has to be courtship. You can't be, don't just be talking to a boy for the sake of talking to a boy. Don't just be, boy can't just be dropping lyrics on you and, and then you, you two, you're, you're, you're there giggling and hey, I think that's cute. No, this was about, if he's chatting to you, he's chatting to you with that whole angle of let's get, this is courtship, we're going to get married. So that's the, that was the, that was the other part of it. Then you take it to the other side. They, if you were, if you then accepted that view of courtship, that courtship had to be acknowledged by the girl's father because it was her responsibility to keep her pure, and then um, to then and then to top it off. It was kind of, it was mad. People were moving mad. It was, put simple. People were moving mad because it was kind of like. It was basically arranged marriages. If you, if if her father wasn't feeling you, if her father thought, nah, he ain't from, mm -mm, he ain't the one. That was it, done. She can't talk to you. You, no lyrics, nothing. No digits, nothing. Move on. Don't pass go. Don't collect two hundred dollars. That was that was the way. That was the flex. That was the way it went down. The, for me, so it it was kind of like teaching young girls to be submissive because they, you know, going on that scripture, um, wives submit unto your husbands. I'll finish that bit because this is part of my issue with the whole thing. But it was teaching young girls to be submissive. Um, as I say, in that extreme arm of it, I'm not saying every part, everyone that kind of pushed this purity thing were, was at the extreme abstinence and no, at that end, they were trying to push, teach girls to be submissive, and that meant kind of forgo whatever you are interested in. It's all about your godly man who's looking for a godly woman, and therefore she must be pure when he finds her, 
Um, and then next tip is whatever you must submit, you must submit and support him in whatever God has called him to do. Nothing wrong with that. Doesn't mean that God doesn't have a calling for you. That's my challenge to that. And then um, it was basically, you were supposed to not speak in mixed settings, try not to speak in public settings, um, don't approach leadership roles and crazy stuff that I was like, no, 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 no. Pull back on that, pull back. Because, and the reason I take issue with that, the reason, right, let me finish, let me finish a train of thought and then come back. So the reason why I say that there was, it was an issue for, for young men as well is because you were teaching young men that they were somehow on some level, some kind of pedestal. And you were putting this um, pressure and this onus on young men that, you know, they had to, oh, this was the other bit. So the young women were kind of made to believe that it was their responsibility not to tempt the young men. So that was, that was where I was going with this. So you were kind of, one, teaching young men that they had no control over their sexual desires and that it was the responsibility of the women to help them control their sexual desires, which is BS. Because as a young man, if you do not learn self-control, um, then you're going to have issues in all areas of life because temptation is not just sexual. Te temptation comes in a number of different ways. And if you don't learn self-control over your, your, personal, um, your personal desires, then you can't function in this world. You can't function in, in, in a career. You can't f function with, on any level where there may involve some kind of temptation. It's not a woman's, it's not a girl's responsibility, a woman's responsibility to help you control yourself. Control your damn self. Learn what you're doing. Know where your limits are. Know how to pull back. Know how to stop yourself when, when you're in a situation you shouldn't be in. It's not up to the girl. That's, that's where we get problems of girls um, telling guys no and guys not knowing how to stop because they've never, they've never been able to, to exercise self-control. They're hard of hearing because they think it's not their responsibility to know how to stop themselves. Stop your damn self. It's not the woman's responsibility to stop you. You need to know how to pull back and control your, your personal desires. So that was one thing. The whole thing about putting them on a pedestal for me, that was, again, that's reinforced by that idea that it's the woman's responsibility to tell a young man how to, how to control himself. Come on, man. It's not her job. If he's the lead, if he is grow, if he's being groomed to be a leader in his home, he should be able to lead. He should be able to, to, to put boundaries in place. He should be the one that's saying, we are not going to do this. He should be the one that is going to say, we're going to, we're going to stick in this. We're going to stay in this lane. We're going, to, we're going to be faithful to God and we're going to stay in this lane. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. He should have, if, you, if that is how, what you're grooming, grooming him for, if you are trying to groom these guys to be leaders, then you should be teaching him how to do that. He shouldn't be, be acting as though he, he can't control him, himself. And that, for me, is one of the reasons why we have so many pastors nowadays, because some of these pastors are my age, dudes that grew up in this same purity movement who are now falling all over the place because they never learned that self-control. They never learned how to deal with their own personal desires. They never dealt with, with whatever was going on in them because they were excused from it because the, the, the onus and the responsibility was generally put on, on, on the girls. So yes, I, I agree that largely they, it, 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 there was a disservice to the young women that were that had to endure the purity movement. But the young men, I'm sorry, when you're creating men that have this world viewpoint, when you're creating young men that don't believe that they are responsible for their own self-control, you're creating weak-minded men who are going to struggle in this world because they haven't learned to deal with difficult situations because they're being, they're being told it's not their responsibility to. Sorry, that's just, look, that's just my personal opinion. But 
that, in my opinion, is the trauma that uh, is part of the trauma that um, the purity movement had on young men. Secondly, in the same way that young women struggled with those thoughts of guilt and shame, young men struggled with the same thoughts of guilt and shame. We battled with the same... Um, so I will use myself as an example. I felt shame whenever I looked at any pornography. I felt shame. Look at that. I'm struggling to, sometimes I'm even struggling to get the words out. But no, for, on the real though, when I looked, when I watched porn, I felt guilty. I felt shame. I felt dirty. I felt embarrassed. I felt all sorts. And um, it just continued. It just spiraled as I got older and older, it got worse. And I couldn't go and talk to people because I knew that, you know, I didn't want to be judged. I didn't want, I, I couldn't ask for help because the, when I thought about asking for any kind of help, I thought about judgment and condemnation. Um, no one was out there teaching grace. No one was out there teaching. I was being, we were being taught that if you did this, then your salvation was kind of kaput. That was it. We were being taught that if you did this, you were unworthy. If you did this, you, God, didn't, God can't use you. God, can't, doesn't, God doesn't want any kind of parts of you. There was no one out there actually teaching that. So we were taught the law. We were taught the law. Um, we, we had to live by the law, basically. Whereas... As I got older and I, and I continued to struggle and study and, you know, as I pulled, I don't want to say I pulled away from, from, from church because I didn't, I, I don't know how to put it. But my personal study, as I've always said, said to people, I'm not about religion. I'm not about doing the same thing routine day in, day out. That's not what I'm about. I'm about personal relationship. I have a personal relationship with my savior. My relationship with God is about me and God. My relationship with, with God is about me listening to how God speaks for me, how God engages with me, how God leads me, and how God has a purpose for my life. And how did I get to that point? My, I got to that point through my experience of his grace. So I became someone that was focused on sharing and teaching about the grace of God. I became someone that was so obsessed and dedicated to sharing pe with people the freedom that comes through the grace of God. I spent, for, I spent ages reading Romans 5, Romans 6 over and over and over and over and over again because I really wanted to understand how God had set me free from the power of sin how God had, and how the, how the power, how sin got its power. Yes, I am not denying that some of these activities that, or, or that the activities that we engaged in were sinful. But my point is this, the same people that were teaching us that about the purity movement had lived their lives. They had done they, they had been out there smashing and doing whatever they wanted to, whatever they wanted to do in their youth. Then they came to God and all of a sudden they were enlightened. Hey, well, give me a chance to go through my life and then become enlightened. I'm joking. But, um, but on, a, on a real, these people had experienced their, their own thing and they felt no condemnation. Because people were not condemning them for that because generations before them had done the same. And if you look through the Bible, there are so many instances of men that had um, taken a young uh, a virgin and and I guess what you I don't want to say raped, but they had defiled her. So they so in some instances they had an intercourse with this person, and then they had to go and pay a bride price and get married to this person. So I'm not. I guess where I'm going with that is that. I have no qualms with the statement of fact, because this is a statement of fact that God's desire for you is for you to engage in sex after you are married. 
it's better that you know in in um paul writes that it's better for someone to get married than to burn with lust um once you open that door you can't shut it once you feel because god created sex for pleasure not just for procreation he created it for pleasure and what happens when we have something that is pleasurable endorphins are are released and and we want those happy hormones we we're like crack addicts with endorphins. We want to keep feeling that. So of course, once you get that, you're going to want to keep engaging in the activity that, that led to that feeling. So that is one of the reasons why you don't want to open that door. Um, but here is my point. And I say this because at this age, I'm a father of three daughters. I am teaching my daughters that this is God's desire for them. God's desire is for them to wait. Now, I can't force them to wait. I can teach them the word of God. I can show them everything. But in the same way that Adam and Eve had freedom of choice, in the same way that everyone in the Bible had freedom of choice, it's the same way I had freedom of choice, and it's the same way my children will have freedom of choice. It is their choice to, as to whether they are going to listen or they're going to take whatever path they want to take. Now, I, keep, I say it again, my per- preference would be for them to wait because there are, not even from a, um, just from a, 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 an experience point of view, I think one of the benefits of waiting is that you don't have anyone to compare the person to. You only know you, you learn together, you explore together, you search together, you figure out your bodies together. You, there's no one to compare to. There's no, nothing to skew your perception of how great your husband or wife is in the sack. That's it. That's one of the benefits. And I think that's a great benefit for, for, for people in, in our age because sometimes that experience of other partners can create this insecurity in you that you're not good enough or you you're not great at doing the do or whatever you want to however you want to put it you 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 know someone might tell you you're a bad leg and 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 then that creates this horrible feeling in you that follows you for there are so many social aspects of it that um cause a level of, of trauma but from my perspective, I will teach them and educate them. I'm not going to make the mistake. So one of the things that I believe happened during this whole purity movement is that Christian parents made the mistake of not talking to their children about sex, sexual health and their bodies and their ch- the changes, the hormones and all those things. I'm not making that mistake. I have open dialogue with my children because I want them to understand that there is, these are God created urges. These, it's not about just about procreation. It's about your pleasure. It's about your enjoyment. Um, You shouldn't be afraid to tell your husband what you like or, or your wife, what you like and all these things. You should be able to sit down and have discussions about what feels good, what doesn't feel good, all the, all those things. It's important to teach your children to talk. Um, and sex is a, is a subject area that we have to teach our children about and we have to teach them to talk about it, point blank. So I don't want to make the same mistakes that parents of the, old, of, of the generation before made where because, they, because of the purity movement, it was basically, well, God says don't do it and that's the end of it. We're not talking about it. We're not telling you anything about it. Don't ask me any questions. Come and see me when you're married. You, you get all these young people that rush into... So another, another problem that, we, that occurred is that you get a lot of young people that then rush into marriage because they want to have sex. They don't consider 
who they are marrying because they haven't had the experience of dating because, hey, as we said, dating is bad because it leads to sexual immorality and, and sexual thoughts and lustful thoughts and blah, 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 blah. So they have no experience of dating or engaging with other people of, or, you know, different um, potential love interests. So they end up just, hey, you like me, I like you, we're courting, good, great, we're going to set a date, great, we're married, let's smash. Then life comes and they realize, actually, I, don't, I do not like this person. Or me and this, this person have such different views, we clash. We, our personality types don't mesh. And so we created a number of problems where we, we had young people that rushed into marriage, didn't really consider what they were getting into, um, people that couldn't communicate about their sexual desires and had fear about talking to their partners about se their sexual desires for fear of look of seeming like they were unholy or dirty or uh, hoes or whatever you want to call them, whatever it may be. It's not just women that had those fears. Boys had, and men had, had those fears as well, just because men don't really speak about it because of the bravado and, and ego and all of that stuff. It's not to say that it doesn't exist. Men have the same issues. Men have the same cares. Men, men are fragile beings. We do not talk about our feelings because we, um, our ego, our egos are fragile. And some of us just want to protect that ego as much as possible. But the reality of it is we have the same concerns. We have the same fears. We have the same worries. And it's... And this can be avoided if we educate our children. If I had sons, I would educate them in the same way that I'm educating my daughters. Sex is not something you just play with. It's not something you just throw about. But hey, if you are dating or you are courting and you're in a relationship and it happens, I'm not here to judge you. It's not my position to judge you. And guess what? God is not going to strike you down on the spot because he is a God of love and a God of grace. Um, point, point blank. Some people may not agree with, with my viewpoint and that's, that's your opinion. That's your choice. You don't have to agree with me, but I'm not going to sit here and allow my children to grow up traumatized because of, they are in fear of, of making a mistake Guess what? We all make mistakes. And the funny thing is, in God's eyes, your sin of lying, your sin of um, covering someone else's um, car or whatever it may be, whatever, any sin, your, your, your sin of greed or whatever it may be, whatever the heck your sin may be, in God's eyes, it's the same as someone who is fornicating, someone who is committing murder, someone who is doing anything. It is displeasing to God. That's, that is the simple, that's it. Put simply, God has no grading on sin. So making young women and young men feel bad about sexual desires or sexual thoughts and all of that stuff, you were dead wrong for that. You, you're, you're dead wrong for it. You were dead wrong for it back then. You're dead wrong for it um, now. And if you do it in the future, you're dead wrong for it. There's no place for it because guess what? The, 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 the gift of grace means that God looks at them and he looks at them as an unblemished lamb. When you come to God, even when you slip up, even when you mess up, the grace of God is sufficient to cover all things. Now, the Bible says that, um, so do I continue in sin so that grace may abound? Of course not. So I'm saying, so this is, this is what I'm saying. If you slip up, if you, if you, 
decide and if you smash and you do the hanky panky you do whatever you want to call it you do it before you get hey do not condemn yourself because god does not condemn you you can go to god and you can you are you he sees you you are forgiven he loves you he doesn't even remember what you've done because he sees he sees his son when he sees you now does it mean that you go out and you do it every day and then go, oh, God, I'm sorry? No, because you're just taking the mick at that point. You're just, you're abusing the gift of, you're, you're abusing the grace. It's intentional there. There's a difference. But for some, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying that, that, you know, you act, you can accidentally have sex. Of course, of course not. It, it's, how do I put this? You're in a relationship you think the person is the one. You 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 feel like you're heading towards marriage, and some part of you, because you're you're deeply in love with this person, you feel no, I know they're the one, and and you enter into a sexual relationship. It happens. It happens. Let's just be honest. It happens. The fact is, if it turns out that they are not the person, the the natural thing that we do is we enter into this shame spiral and we head downwards because we start to condemn ourselves. But the scripture says there is no condemn, there's no condemnation of those in Christ Jesus, meaning that his grace is sufficient to cover all. Yes, of tr- do your best to avoid getting trapped in any level of sexual sin. Why? Because it, un- it opens doors that you can't close. I will keep repeating that. It, doors, it opens doors you can't close. Once you start to experience um, that sexual gratification, that is a feeling that you're like, oh man, I want that again. So that, for me, that is why I would say control, try and exercise a level of self-control. But if you slip up, you slipped up. His grace covers all. That's, anyway, I'm not going to labor the point because I, I think I've said it enough times. But for me, the purity movement did not just fail women. It failed men as well. It failed the young men as well because we felt shame. We felt condemnation. We felt... Um, we felt the same pain that the women felt. Yes, that that element of submission. Oh, I said I was going to come back to this. So the women were being taught to be submissive. But the problem is people are very quick to teach the script, to to only use part of the scripture. Um, The Bible says, wives submit unto your husband as he is submitted unto Christ. So what I means is your husband is supposed to exemplify the submission that you should have. It's not a submission of, um, how do I put it? It's a submission. It's an act of love. It's an act of love that, we need to be sub- submitted onto Christ, onto Christ. And this is why I said if we're truly grooming young men to be leaders in their homes, they are supposed to lead by example. Therefore, he should lead by his example of submission. He should be submitted onto to Christ in his walk with Christ, in, his, um, in how he runs his home, in how he runs his finances, in how he runs everything. And guess what? I know a lot of men that are not submitted to, to to Christ in all of those areas. Hey, I will use myself as an example. Yet again, I cannot say that I, I am not perfectly submitted in all those areas because we're just, the human condition kicks in. Something we talk about on imperfectly human all the time, a human condition kicks in. But for me, you can't, you can't go around telling women to do something that you're not ready to do yourself, especially when you're supposed to be the leader of the, when you're all being groomed to be the leader of the home, you're, you should be showing, you should be showing how it's, 
it's done. You should be leading by example. Now, again, people can challenge my viewpoint and tell me I'm wrong. Cool. I have no, I have no issue with that. This is, this is, the show is called The Daily Perspective. I miss the daily. This is my perspective. I'm giving you my perspective, my view. This is my experience. This is what I have seen. This is what I have inferred from my study of the Bible. Hey, go and study your Bible yourself. Infer your own thing. Tell me what you feel. Keep it moving. I'm not going to, I'm not here to, you know, to, to force you to take on my viewpoint. I'm just giving you an honest perspective. And I'm not going to say, I'm going to say things that people may be afraid to say. Um, but everything I do in this life and everything we do in this life as Christians should be born out of love. Therefore, we should not be condemning people. We should not be trying to force people to behave in a certain way through fear because that's what the purity movement did. It tried to enforce a viewpoint through fear. It put, it made young people feel that God would cast them away. It made them feel like their salvation was constantly at risk. It made them feel that if they stepped out of line at any point, then they were going to be eternally damned. I'm sorry, but that is not love. That is not love. You do not love someone. You do not use fear to control someone into behaving in a certain way. That's not love. So if we are going to operate from a place of love, then we have to figure out how we, um, we have to figure out how we teach with love, how we educate with love, how we guide with love, how we show young people that, hey, yes, this is, this is, God does, does want you to be pure. It's not that God is trying to keep something good away from you. God wants you, doesn't want you to engage in something prematurely. That's what it is. And educate that, but then also educate that if you slip up, God's grace, God is a gracious, loving, merciful God. Yes, there is another side, but what, what people do not hear, yes, he is a jealous God. So he will not stand, he will not stand for you placing your career before him. He will not stand for, it's not like he's going to strike you down, but he is a jealous God. He says it in his word. Um, but that's for you to make sure that you do not make idols of these various things in, in your life. But the other side of God as well, that we, that people say we don't talk about the, 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 the fierce the, the, the fierce side of God, the warrior side of God, the, the God that whose armies helped the, the Israelites destroy their enemies. Yes, he's still that God as well, but he fights for his people, not against his people. He doesn't fight against his people. Whenever, whenever the Israelites were... When, whenever God allowed the Israelites and the Jews to be dominated, they were dominated because they turned away from God to other gods. But when they turned back to him, he was fighting on their side. He's a kind, merciful, loving God. That is the God that we should be showing our children. And because he is a kind, loving, merciful God, when you make mistakes, he's grace is there. If you were saying that, that one slip up can, cost, can cause someone to be eternally damned, then why did, why did Christ die on the cross? Because it means that the, 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 he, the death of Christ on the cross has no power over that sin because that sin can, can bypass what Christ did on the cross and eternally damn you. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Is it? That's not what the Bible teaches me. And if you, if you search your hearts, you will know that that's not what the Bible teaches you. So 
why not teach it as it as the Bible has it? The Bible has it that that He is a loving, gracious, merciful God, and that Christ died on on the cross to pay the price for our sins, not just then but forevermore. It says that Christ is at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. So He's constantly. Stepping in and saying, "Mm -mm, God, look at me, look at me, look at me. Yeah, I know you did that, but look at me, look at me. When you see him, see me. Look at him, see me. Look at him, see me. That's what Christ is constantly stepping in to take, to make sure that the focus is on us so that we are not destroyed for our sin because we sin on a daily. We sin constantly, even the little things, even you know, as simple as the little white lies that we tell. Well, we might tell a white lie because we want to protect someone's heart. It's still a lie and it's still a sin. And it's still graded the same as though it was murder because there is no scale. There is no measure of one sin is worse than the other. Sin is sin. So if you really want to talk about pure, if you want to start a real purity movement, then start a purity movement that is based on eradicating every single thing that God declares is um, impure. All our sin. But honestly, you can't do that because you know no one can live to that standard. So why put such an why put a standard out there and try and force our young people to live to a particular standard that even we can't live to? That's not love. That's not fair. So that's just my, those are my thoughts. And I, I could keep talking about this, but the reason I decided, as I said, the reason I, I decided to talk about the topic, I've got daughters. I grew up in the same in the time of the purity movement. I understand what was being said in the article, that it was damaging to women. But I think you can't overlook the fact that it was damaging to everyone that was involved, every young person that was put through that purity movement. Um, Some young men, some young women broke away and didn't really, I guess they had a strong sense of self and decided, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Um, Personally, you might want to consider me one of those. Um, I'm not going li- to sit here and lie to you and say I remained pure until I was married. I didn't. That's I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I didn't. But I know that God does not condemn me. I felt like He did for a long time because after that slip up. Um. There was a, an, a, a very long two-year abstinence period till marriage. We, we waited. We, we said, nope, we ain't doing that again. And we waited till we were married before any activity resumed. But there was such, there was guilt. There was shame. But then I realized that God is a God of grace. God is a God of love. So I'm not going to teach my children that God will eternally damn them if they slip up. Sorry. Sons, daughters, it doesn't make a difference to me. They get the same message. My nieces, my nephews, they will get the same message. God is not going to condemn you or damn you to, to hell if, if you slip up. But 
make wise choices in life. Your virginity is not something that you play with or you just give away as though it's it isn't worth anything. You know, it's a precious, it's, a, it's something that you should treasure and you should be precious with. It should, it should be something you want to share with someone special. And as I said, sometimes you may feel you have found that special someone and then it doesn't work out. Don't condemn yourself because God doesn't condemn you. But if you can wait, hey, wait and discover all what God has in store for you as a couple with your spouse. Anyway, um, so that's just my thoughts on the purity movement. As I said, it stemmed from something I read. Um, I hope it's given you a different perspective. Um, Hope if you didn't know anything about the purity movement, I hope it shed some light on it for for you. I hope it uh, brought a viewpoint that you may not have considered. Um, If you're a Christian that experienced it, hey, let me know your thoughts. Um, Let me know if you feel the same, if you feel differently. This is about dialogue. Let's open some dialogue. The main thing we want to do is ensure that we're we're helping the next generation. But um, yeah, that, that, that was just my viewpoint. As I said, you can always get in touch with me on Twitter at DYDaily. Get in touch with me on Instagram again at dy daily um send me an email david at dailyperspective.co.uk hit me up on the blog whatever i'm i'm cool Uh, the blog site is www.dailyperspective.co.uk one thing i will point out the daily perspective is number 13 number 13 13 (laughs) on um the top 25 christian men's podcasts so uh, I appreciate the support because you guys are, are helping me rank so highly uh, keep listening in keep t- tuning in keep telling me you know let me know what you want to talk about I am I'm here to just share my thoughts my opinions and as I say it's Mr. Daly's perspective that's why it's called Daily Perspective um, but until next week stay safe Remember, God loves you. I love you. Keep doing what you do. Peace. I'm out.